Hello, and welcome to the Wannabes 1v1 series. This week we have one of my favorite content creators in New York, and probably in the melee scene in general, Phil Nolan. He's a good buddy of mine. We see each other every week at HNC, but I finally pinned him down for an interview where I could ask him just pretty much questions I wanted to know myself about his work ethic, about tips and tricks of making video, how he broke into the scene, how he, I mean, he does this full time, and I think that's really cool. This is kind of a benchmark of where I'd want to be at, um, at some point in my career. As always, make sure that you check out our other podcasts, our regular ones, or the other 1v1 series, just, you know, if you're interested. Wasabi and I go over our own experiences, mostly as players, but as you know, just people, you know? All right, well, I'm, I'm rushing this. I got to get to work. Enjoy myself and Phil Nolan. I've been excited to have this guest for a very long time. He is one of my favorite freelance esports videographers. <laughs> Not that there's a growing list, but the stuff he's been putting out has been kicking ass. You might have seen the Mad Melee video come out recently. You might have seen the Fighter C Saga, three parts, or Beats by Peach, the Ryobi combo video. He is a documentarian. He makes videos. He's a Melee fanatic, just like the rest of us. We got Phil Nolan. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, man? Good to be here. I'm, I'm excited. I'm just going to... I said this to you off mic, but I'm literally just going to like ask you a bunch of questions and write them down and hopefully improve my own process. Um, you've just been someone that I've seen going through, you know, whenever I, I see at a uh, tournament or something, you're just like, you got your camera out. You're just making shit all the time. Um, I really want to ask before I get into the technical details that help me, like, how did you get started doing videography? Um, I mean, like, it depends on where you want to start. Cause like I took my dad's camcorder when I was 11 and I just kind of made a habit out of making just like the dumbest, most embarrassing things. Nice. I still have the tapes, but they're hidden and I'm afraid to show anyone who is close to me for fear <laughs> that they will use them to humiliate me. Oh but, no. Um, eventually that turned into something I worked on in high school where I learned to edit and I went to college. I went to film school and then in my 20s when I was working in media, I kind of rediscovered Melee like as an adult and kind of fell in love with that and was like, all right. I like I saw the Smash Dock and on top of being inspired to play Melee by the Smash Dock, I was also inspired to do more of that because like Travis is only one man and there's so many stories and ways to show why this scene is great and why other scenes are great. And yeah, I mean, once... I started going to tournaments. I kind of always had my camera on me, right? Like always kind of came in with a battle plan of something I wanted to make or people I wanted to talk to and, you know, just trying to make stuff. Cause like just my basic working knowledge base, my skill set for my trade allow me to make videos that are like tight and digestible and all those things that, uh, I guess a lot of you like content takes that shit for granted. And I don't, and I think people really see that in the things that I make. So mm -hmm. I just trying to, deliver content to the people yeah no you definitely come across as 
more professional than and this is not to roast most content creators like yeah. i'm not putting myself down by saying that <laughs> you're you're better at this than i am it's really like it's it's night and day when you have um someone who comes from melee to say oh i want to try videos now let's use this as like my learning experience whereas you had that experience coming into it and like what was your first melee video that you made the first melee video i made um was a 10 minute documentary for mashable a company i was working for in 2015 um what what was it called um i think it's called we esports now i think i went in they tried to change the name to something clickbaity yeah it's called we esports now colon the professional super smash brothers scene and i made it for mashable and it was based around um a zenith 2014 oh. which was a, a great little tournament at the nyu gaming center here in new york in brooklyn and in order to make it i housed zero and mewtwo king like i just kind of everything kind of fell into place where i had an apartment and i was like yeah, these guys can crash with me on one condition that they let me interview them and then kind of like follow them around a little bit during the tournament. And uh, Jason and Gonzalo were both really interested in kind of furthering their personal brands and getting their personal stories out there. So they were just hella down for it. And then everyone at the tournament talked to me and I'm still really proud of that piece. Like I, I stand by that one more than I stand by a lot of things I've made. I'm really happy with how that one came out. Awesome. So your entrance was kind of a splash. That's that's great. Did you? What what was your next piece after that? No, I'm not going to go down the line. I'm just curious how you go from you know picking two of the top players at the time, Zero, who became like a phenomenon later on, and yeah. Yutsu King, who has you know 2014 was well into his fame. How do you transition from that into maybe a project that had less circumst- uh, circumstantial like? luck to it well the the good thing about doing something so aggressive so early was that i had kind of built inroads with so many people who were in smash like almost instantly like i had met d1 uh kind of buddied up with him and we instantly got along and he was somebody i could turn to when i needed a soundbite or to interview um like in that documentary i interviewed so many other people i interviewed like gimmer and hacks and axe and a whole bunch of people and that made it a lot easier when another um, unfortunately legendary tournament, Apex 2015, came around hmm. um, where I brought a camera and I don't even remember what the fuck I thought I was going to be making. <laughs> I literally cannot tell you. I brought a camera to Apex 2015. And I was like, yeah, let's make something. I'm going to interview people and do something. And then as soon as I walked in the building and saw the firefighters and all that shit, uh, that all went out the window. So I made a little five minute like field report where I interviewed like D one and a bunch of people about how, like I remember interviewing a bunch of people from Europe who flew out for the biggest smash brothers tournament ever. And instead they were playing friendlies on the ground in the lobby. And that was it. (laughs) Like that was the next piece, which I don't think did as well, but it's another thing that I'm really happy with because it was like a rare piece of actual reporting. Not a lot of, it's really hard to do reporting in esports anywhere. It gets it only gets worse the bigger the esport you're engaging in. It's impossible to get anyone to say anything that could be controversial or real or uh, make a brand look bad. And Apex was kind of the opposite of that. It was a fucking disaster. And 
people had to kind of talk about it being a disaster, right? Like nowadays I'm getting paid to cover tournaments. I can't make a tournament look bad. Like, Hmm. (laughs) or I'm doing it for a brand and the brand needs the event to look good. So I can't really do that. So it was kind of like a rare little thing. Yeah. No, I mean, that's an anomaly for sure. I mean, that was the first major I went to. Um, And just, yeah, what a shit show. I mean, also one of the best uh, fucking weekends ever. Absolutely amazing. But no, it, it, um, it came through, um, but with a lot of fear attached and yeah, I, I have some stories from that weekend for another time, but, um, I'm, I'm interested in that period, right? So you found, would you say that you found your passion pretty early? with with videography with film yeah i mean like uh i'm trying to think the right way to put this because i like to put like a caveat on it where it's like people say do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life and i'm um wholly skeptical of that claim right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. video is something that i like if that makes sense like i don't go to sleep thinking about video i don't eat sleep and breathe i'm not obsessed I just have been doing it so long that it is remarkably natural and easy for me to do it. Like I can visualize and execute and it doesn't rack my brain. I don't have to lose my mind trying to do it. I still do try and challenge myself, which if we talk about what I'm working on now, I can talk about that. But like, like videography to me is just like, so not easy, but like so natural to make. It doesn't stress me out. It doesn't, it's the one place where I'm like free and comfortable. So yeah, let's talk about what you're making now. So you're trying to challenge yourself, you said? Um, almost unwittingly so, but yes, trying to like increase the size and scope of the things I'm making. Okay. So um without giving anything away that you maybe not want you know, won't want to yet, um what does that look like? Oh, it's all good. I can talk about it. Um I'm making a documentary about the first uh, Street Fighter Third Strike, like major event in America in who knows how long. Street Fighter Third Strike being kind of the melee analog to Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. Like it came out in 1999. It is insanely technical and deep, and people have been playing it ever since, and there is no ceiling in sight. So it is very similar to melee in a lot of regards. And uh, it's also kind of been left to the side by Capcom. So it's a grassroots scene now. So I attended the major and interviewed some players and I brought on a second cameraman who did fantastic for me. And I just have so much to work with that. It is just like an immense project. It isn't, I didn't even plan it that way, but it is just exciting because I have so much to work with, but also really challenging. Yeah. Cause I'm, it's not like a three minute YouTube hit where I just cut up a bunch of smashers complaining about their favorite or least favorite matchups. Cause that shit edits itself. That takes a day that is nice and smooth. So, okay, so you're in the the editing phase, clearly, and yeah. so with all that footage, I mean, I made an attempt to make a documentary once it flopped, it never was finished. Um, I'm happy I started it, and I'm happy I went through the process, but how do you kind of compartmentalize, even tactically, right? So we have all this footage, what's the first step to even put that together into a product? Like anything uh, that I've found related to video, you simply learn by doing. Like, this isn't my first time I've had to um, 
go through a gigantic pile of shit that I shot or somebody else shot, which is even more difficult. Um, like I've done this so many times now that I've been, I've gotten very good at identifying when I'm punishing myself by continuing to shoot a thing, mm-hmm. like shooting the same thing over and over again, rolling too long, things like that. I've become pretty efficient about how I shoot and also really efficient about sorting it in edit. Um, so for this one, everything is really built around one like three hour block of top 16. And that has helped a lot because I've just been able to uh, cross-reference the VOD with the shots that I have and kind of see what coverage I have over the span of those three hours, at least for that part of the project. There's also long interviews and there will be tons of found footage VODs, B-roll, that whole thing. But yeah, I've just... Uh, because being more organized is the most important thing as an editor. And it's something that I was never good at. I've never been a consider myself a very good editor, but I've gotten more organized and that just makes you a thousand times faster. Hmm. And the faster you are, the more you can just make good decisions, you know, like melee. That's a good tip. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to move on, but I do want to, um, stay on this for as long as you want. Is there anything that you have discovered in this new project, like within the past couple of weeks that you just maybe realized, but never internalized um, any like big moments recently in, in terms of like improvement in your craft? Um, Really just things I want to do. Like I'm a little set in my methods where I like to get sound bites and build from there. Like whatever the player's talking about, I kind of want to validate with the footage. Like if, I'm interviewing someone. They're talking about a player who's really inspirational to them. Um, I will obviously go uh, find footage of that player doing something amazing. Like for the hacks thing I made for Anbox, Hacks' little blurb, his three-minute video. I have been... Hacks is one of my favorite people that I've ever watched play Melee. He's one of the very first people I ever saw in like 2013. And he means a lot to me. So it's like very easy for me to go find the shot of him doing like the throat cutting pop off it i think apex 2013 mm-hmm. just finding important little clips like that and putting them there um but i kind of want to push past that and kind of start saying less and showing more but it's a little difficult in an event to like do those really patient beautiful shots right and i'm going to push myself to do that in the future cuz i'm not going to put as much pressure on myself to make long elaborate stories instead i'm going to try and uh david lynch it up a little bit that means nothing to me but <laughs> cool i don't even know if it is i don't think there's a way to david lynch esports <laughs> but god damn it i will try well uh if there's anyone who could be the next david lynch <laughs> Thank it's definitely you, you. <laughs> hell yeah um okay so i do want to talk about um opportunity right and how you have leveraged your skill and your your circumstance into a, um, a career, a a freelance career. Mm -hmm. Um, so could you talk about the first paid gig you got and kind of what led you to that? Ooh, the first paid gig. The first year of me trying to freelance in video is, uh, a little fucking wild. I remember day playing for day playing is when, uh, someone can't do a job on set at the last minute and they call you to kind of show up as like a minute man. So okay. like I remember I was working at out urban outfitters when I was 23. Um, I would say yes to anything that came down the pipes. Cause not a lot was coming down the pipes and 
my friend was supposed to be on a Meek Mill music video being shot in North Philly the next morning and he couldn't make it. So he passed it to me. Um, I was supposed to assist camera, which is like on a more complicated shoot. An assistant camera is someone who knows more about the camera than the guy who's shooting it. So he can maintain it like from a battery, a storage standpoint, uh, fixing things as they come up, things like that. So definitely a little bit of a fake it till you make it situation. Hmm. Um, so I go out, I drive out to Philly. I don't get any sleep. I show up there bright and early. I'm in North Philly. Um, and North Philly is, uh, not the safest neighborhood. I don't want to color things in any fucked up way, but it is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy here. Cause like one of our extras gets shot in the middle of the day. Like we're switching locations and one of the guys who's in one of the shots, cause it's like a, it's a hip hop music video. There's a lot of girls shaking butts. There's a lot of guys who are like looking and going, damn, like in the shots. And like one of those guys, uh, gets shot on the set. Jesus Christ. It is one of the absolute worst days I've ever worked. Um, we went uh, six hours over schedule. So it was an 18 hour shoot. Um, at one point the entire grip and electric department, uh, circled around the director and producer and said, uh, you need to order us more food and also pay us double. So it paid really well. It was just uh, a traumatic. <laughs> so you got in on that? Action. Hell fucking yeah. I got more pizza and I got paid way more. <laughs> and um, I believe the song is uh, Sterling Sims Teller Again featuring Meek Mill. It's a, a not a great song. Uh, okay music video. Paid a lot of money. A guy, a guy almost died. So it was shit like that early on. And then uh, you kind of just fail and have really stressful shoots a lot until you get it right in front of the right person and you develop that trust, if Mm. that makes sense. Yeah. Like I started working at Now This, who are now infamous for their short videos on Facebook and whatever. Uh But back when they were a wee startup, I started working for Now This and I literally ripped the camera out of a producer's hands because they didn't know what they were doing. And then I shot everything they made for like shot most of what they made for like a full year wow and once you do that you impress it doesn't matter how many people you've embarrassed yourself in front of at that point because if you can impress a couple people that just branches out and then you have work then you have people who will call you people who trust you you know and then then it kind of keeps itself rolling no pun intended it really has since it has not stopped it's been seven years so that's great man that's really cool yeah so in those so you do find time for these passion projects these um melee related things maybe these um lower paying esports gigs is that fair to say or are they kind of on par i think the the gigs that i say yes to in esports i mean obviously i'm in a position to negotiate because i have work outside of esports so if I'm worried I'm going to get low-balled or grimed. I'm just going to go work in media. Like, I'm just going to go take another day at a studio I work at or something like that, mm-hmm. like straight up. But there's plenty of people I trust, particularly in the FGC. So, I like, if they come calling, I know it's going to be, most importantly, fun work, and I don't have to worry about getting stiffed. Like, I might not rate them high. Like, for example, Combo Breaker is a tournament that I adore. So, whatever they want to pay me, I'll show up. That's easy. I'll do anything for Rick. He's the best. But, like... Yeah, I mean, there's a decent amount of esports gigs that are 
of means they pay well and they're like cool opportunities to actually shoot cool stuff but i wouldn't do that full time i don't think there's that much of it and there's a lot of people competing for it so on the flip side do you think there is enough opportunity for someone to build their i guess portfolio using esports as that launching pad if they eat shit for a long enough time and just make enough stuff do you think that's a good opportunity for someone trying to break in uh yes i think so it's like i'm trying to think of the right way to put this um yeah i always tell people that they just need to be making stuff and i know that's a very uh easy for me to say kind of piece of advice to be like yeah you just got to get out and start shooting stuff because that's the only, that's how i got noticed like i started making videos for mashable and then the community noticed and then they trusted me to cover things and like i got like combo breaker is my favorite tournament and rick brought me on as a, a staff shooter for combo breaker because i showed up the year before i made a 10 minute documentary about street fighter 5 i made a couple of those salt videos that you see on my youtube and I also made this really silly faux documentary about an auction tournament based on like a Mugen engine built game that ended up being really stupid and funny. Like I hired a guy to do an NFL films type voice and I did it really serious, even though it was about a game where you're like playing a deeply broken Marvin, the Martian Sprite because it's Mugen. Like if you're familiar, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was so silly, but everybody really liked it. Like you literally just kind of got to make stuff until you make something that people uh, respond to. And then people will notice. Um, and I understand that that is uh, a lot easier said than done that you need to be making stuff long enough that you're good at making stuff in the first place. Like you need to fail a lot <laughs> and then, eventually you make something that kind of grabs people's attention and then you're in the zeitgeist right and there aren't a lot of people in the zeitgeist like like you can probably count the number of like legitimate melee content creators on a couple people's hands right like someone who jumps out to me is like save is untitled and how much he's been hustling Mm -hmm. like you gotta respect that shit like i'm a patron i love that guy yeah he's been what i make and what he makes are very different but the the work ethic and the the amount of practice you get is there that he's gotten so refined and efficient and he kind of knows how to deal with these things he kind of knows what people want to see and then obviously like and like the west coast like the bts guys like um slime and lud are also in that realm of like people who have done it so much that they're very good at it mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of um well, What's really interesting about those two examples is just how different those the the content they're making are. Yeah. And there's so much room. Yeah, and that's that's the exciting part. Um to turn on myself a little bit and to really fulfill what I said earlier about getting your input on very selfish things. Um right now I'm try I'm setting the goal to make a weekly not not quite a vlog, but like a a progress video mm. on my route to hopefully making top 100 and i've made four of these videos i've one due tomorrow that i'm trying to knock out like today and tomorrow uh tomorrow morning um just the amount that i've learned in four weeks is incredible like it, it's it's 
crazy how much you're right when you say like just make stuff you know and that learning doesn't stop it literally never stops like that's cool (laughs) i'm sure when martin scorsese was making the irishman he turned around in the middle of it went do you think this might be too long and unfortunately Mm -hmm. he's martin scorsese so nobody told him no but (laughs) you still learn yeah and so i guess i don't i almost don't have a, a a full question for it because um I guess my, my struggle right now is um, finding the time because I genuinely think that I'm, I'm working hard, you know, but I'm, I'm needing to support myself with a nine to five. That and is, so that is definitely. And when you set yourself on a schedule, that's something I've had a lot of trouble with, even as like, you know, guessing myself up as like being who I am and doing what I do. Like, the Dragon Ball Z docu-series, the Fighters Saga, took vastly longer than I thought because when I shot it, I had a certain workload and a certain client base and a, a vague expectation for that to continue status quo. And then, I don't know, something happened last year and I just kind of put my nose down and the calls did not stop and they have literally not stopped. And I'm so bad at saying no to paid work because I kind of have that like that fear of like once you start saying no it goes away or um if you're not constantly chasing it it gets away and you like like i'm terrified of that eventuality that i'm like not in demand or something you know even right. whether it's rational or not mm-hmm. and that has negatively impacted my ability to get videos done significantly like if you look at the melee the mad melee video i put out last week it is shot at shine right <laughs> because i I told myself yeah i can't i can't get i can't put this out without finishing the dragon ball z doc because that's so outdated like it was built around like evo 2018 and fortunately if you can't make it on time newsworthy you kind of got to make it really good (laughs) which is a whole nother set of problems because you got to work even harder on it like Mm -hmm. the news gets away with the shit because they can just they got to get it out fast right nobody nobody's concerned about the helicopter shot that's on the tv for 20 minutes you just get it out there sure but um yeah it's really hard to hold to a schedule and that's a really healthy way to regiment your development right like translates back to melee like having a routine having a program and then adapting that program as you go is huge and just like melee um i have trouble sticking to the program it's yeah it's a challenge um and that always dips into another thing i'm always thinking about which is like what motivates us at all and it's it's a funny little um thing you mentioned before like the whole scarcity mindset of if i don't accept these jobs these gigs they're they're gonna go away which i think is rational right like i think it's coming from a place of like you know it's it's the attitude that got you this far right 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 yeah so I, i i i give you a lot of sympathy for that but there's also a bit of misfortune like man that that, that would that's such like a, a, a paradoxical thing to like a like a a problem that's tugging at both sides simultaneously yeah it's like i'm 30 i'm 30 years old 20 year old me would scream at 30 year old me if i didn't answer the phone but mm-hmm. i feel like 40 year old me would scream at me for answering the phone too much you know like it do be like that. <laughs> so like, how are you navigating that? How how are you? 
is, are you doing like mental work to try to figure out the the right balance? Do you think there is a proper balance or do you think it's too focused on external motivators to to have you have control over it? Um I've tried really hard to keep my motivation internal and not uh judge myself against other people like as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Cuz like yeah, I can go look at someone who has no idea what they're doing and be like, damn, I'm killing it. But I can also go look at someone who's vastly more successful. And also in both of those directions, I can look at someone who sucks, who's immensely famous, and someone who's fantastic, who isn't doing half as good as I am, because all of those people exist. So you kind of got to like let your try and just have that conversation with yourself and not let other people's success or failure interfere. But it's still like i don't even know like i'm kind of losing my train of thought i'm sorry um no it's it's a very abstract topic yeah so so i i i get it i i don't even know how i feel about cuz it's hard to put yourself in any other different type of situation it's probably hard for you to put yourself in the exact mindset that you've already had because memory is all fucked up there's yeah. there's one way or another either looking at it like rose tinted goggles or like man I, I i hope i'm never like that again you know it's it's our, our minds are to if you know, it makes sense i try not to have goals which sounds really silly like i try and just have it be a journey like of learning and exploration and all those things like i still get something out of every video i make mm-hmm. where it's like uh like next month I'm going to Chicago to cover the uh, Mortal Kombat 11 season finals, which is a nice, exciting little gig because I'm going to get to like interview all the top players and build little interview packages to roll before their matches. So I kind of get to like um, get really good, really fast at getting their narratives together and packaging them and showing them to people quick and efficiently. Like I'm really excited. I feel like I can do that. That's a really good little challenge. And it's in a controlled environment. You'll you'll love to see it. I'm excited for the gig. And it's not like, I don't have like a goal for it. I just have, I know it's a, like a step on the journey that I'm just uh, practicing that shit that I need to practice, flexing those muscles, getting cool shots, getting cool sound bites, like just keeping it going, you know? Yeah. So would you see yourself maybe not denying gigs, but trying to replace some of the you know less enjoyable ones and and insert some of these mortal Kombat gigs some of these esport fighting game community type stuff is that would that yes. be maybe like a like a loose goal for you yeah that's what i've been working on this year like i initially started this year saying i'm gonna say no to more stuff and take more time for myself um not doing so great on the saying no part hmm. but um i'm i can say no if i'm booked already So I'm trying to like get those things on the schedule as soon as possible. So like, I don't just do busy work. That's not very fulfilling, but, uh, pays good and just like block out aggressively shit. I actually want to do and try and make set days apart to like work on the documentary. Cause this is very hours intensive. The third strike thing. Every time I sit down with it, like the clock just vanishes. So I really need to be on my shit, like setting time aside for it. And that's been really tough to juggle, but I'm getting better at it. Speaking of setting time aside, I'm really curious how, like, if you, let's say you have a shoot, you have a, um, I don't know, a six-hour shoot, right? Um, 
do they essentially tell you in advance the length of the video and, and you can kind of deduce how long it'll take to edit? Like, how do you block out your time for editing if there are other people giving you opportunities to shoot? Um, that's the thing with editing and projects. Like if I'm doing everything soup to nuts, um, I have to go off what the client's giving me. And sometimes they underestimate what they're asking for. And that can get really messy. Like that's something I'm learning now as well is that I need to be, I need to get as much information as from the client as possible because shit can blow up really quickly. Mm -hmm. But that's the good thing. Sometimes you have clients who are fantastic, right? Like if I'm going to do event coverage for a major, like a fighting game major or whatever, I know, I know that the job, the job is contained, right? Like if I'm doing East coast throwdown, it is a three day gig and I need to shoot and cut and deliver everything they want from me in those three days, right? I need to get the coverage to make the top eight intros and get the B-roll for the venue for when they need to sell it to sponsors next year things like that like that's great because i know i just need to go hard as fuck for those three days and i can i can do that i think that's one of my strengths is that i can just uh nearly kill myself working and just be fine with it it's fine so you're like the opposite of someone binge watching netflix so you could binge create videos yeah yeah i I can work with that (laughs) it's a compliment (laughs) Yeah, Don't I'm just worry. just crank, I'm content factory, baby. Yeah, well, that's um, that's definitely a reputation you've gotten at least from New Yorkers, you know, who who get a glimpse from time to time of of what you're up to and and what you're capable of. Um, would that be is is there anything uh, misleading about that, or do you really do you really give yourself credit for um the amount of work you do? Like, do do you really are are you proud of yourself at this stage? Um, I'm, I'm trying to be humble these days. Like I was, I don't want to gas myself up, you know, which is a kind of a weird struggle to be in where it's like, you kind of need to have a reputation to like build that social following to get the hardest thing is to get people to watch the shit you make. Mm. Right. And Mm -hmm. like every single time I put something out, I have to like go on Twitter, go on Reddit, go on Facebook. And that's like the hardest part of it for me is like being like, Hey guys, this is good. Please watch it. Like, I just want people to trust me, but I got to build that trust. Right. Marketing is a different skill entirely. Yeah, and it's like video is already hard enough. You already have to do so many things yourself. <laughs> so many things. Yeah. Would you ever consider um, starting your own business and I, and making it esports centric? Um, I don't. I'm not crazy about going 100% esports. Like, I have a lot of um cynicism about the industry at large if i'm i'm sure as a melee player you you vibe with that, that. <laughs> well i always feel like i'm i'm biased in my vantage but i also see yeah there's there's plenty of problems yeah like i've worked most of my work does not happen anywhere near smash these days and that is both a blessing and a curse because it keeps melee pure for me which is very important to me i love mm-hmm. this game mm-hmm. um but it's also like fuck it it's a blessing not to get paid to be <laughs> like the smash community is like a little too broke ass a little too unreliable like a lot of a lot of young blood a lot of people don't quite know what they're doing it can be it can be a fucking slog like 
I don't know if there's a way to sugarcoat it. I'm not the only one who thinks this way, who feels this way. Oh like, no, it's, I'm with um, you. Like, there's a reason I'm getting my work in like Overwatch, COD, FGC, everywhere else. Like, it is it is tough out there, and I don't want to take opportunities from people who are scrapping in melee either. Like, there's just not a lot, and I guess that extends to Ultimate too, where it's like these these scenes have no fucking support, and it's it's bleak, and you look at other games and you wonder when it's going to happen to them too. Like, right. I know that's a little grim, but like, you know, no, it's, it's bubble based. It's something, I mean, it, it, something I, I deal with every day and I've come to terms with the limitations that melee has. And, and my philosophy has been that if there's this game that has motivated me to, improve certain skills you know my voice acting not maybe not voice acting but you know voiceovers speaking commentary um and now a lot more video editing podcast editing scheduling marketing these types of skills that are universal and through melee that you know the game that actually brought me to the table and keeps me working without burning out in in a way that is moving me forward at a much faster pace than if melee had not existed. You know, that that's all that's all it could really do, you know? And and as long as there's an expectation of like I really feel for people like Bobby Big Balls, right? Mm. Like he has been grinding, like absolute nonstop, full sacrifice, like balls Bobby Big Balls to the walls. You know what I mean? Like well played and thank you and so he is one of these guys where you're like shit if he put that effort into the cello you know yeah he would be playing fucking carnegie hall and so on the same token it, it, it takes melee to bring that out of some people so it's like it really does like to to call back to your your episode you did with two saint where you, he was talking about how like he he was able to kind of take those things he learned in melee like how to learn how to compete how to grow right that work ethic and plug it into school he was able to get going in school and all these other things like you take melee can prepare you for life but i don't think it can be your life oh yeah no doubt right like i wish i was playing melee seriously when i was like 17 or 18 because i would have been so much better at learning everything so much faster like like it i don't there's just something about it it just forces you to understand how much work you really have to do to compete against other people right actually there's a a really uh relevant tweet from mike hayes today where he just said um i wish melee wasn't so good so i could stop playing it and it that spoke to me <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> I, w- I wish i knew how to quit you yeah exactly and so um, you know, at, at some point the other shoe's going to drop, but at the same time, like, and, and this is kind of a delusion, I think, because we, as melee players, we're trained to embrace the faults and to always be like, yeah, I know there's no money. Like, yeah, we get it. Yeah. There's, there's nothing here. But then in we're, the back we're of like them, insulated from what, uh, I'm worried overwatch, for example, will experience in the next few years. Oh, if they, yeah, a lot of these games, once they lose developer support, I mean, look at Heroes of the Storm. 
Jesus Christ. They literally yeah. got their their plug pulled. You know? That's the kind of thing, man. Any devil any developer is capable of that, so it's like what do you do? Yeah, and Nintendo's been trying to smother us with a pillow for 15 years and we're literally just like thrashing and fighting it off. Like the difference in attitude is is wild and I think it's made us stronger as not just like esports people, not just e athletes as Ugh. a community. As a yeah, as a community yeah. and as individuals. You know, yeah, we're... that's what the fighting game community does too. Like, yeah, yeah, you might get a prize pot from Bamco for Tekken, but like the scene runs itself mm-hmm. or the developer hires people from the scene to run the scene, right? Like everything is here and that's why it's sustainable because it's in our hands. Right. And we came up with it. Like, and so I Melee think. Melee has that. I think what keeps, what keeps it going, I don't know if it keeps us playing necessarily but i think there is a delusion where we put so much time in and it's probably the sunk cost fallacy just in real time but Mm. i think in the back of a lot of our minds we're like wait i think this could go somewhere like maybe we're just getting in so early and at at some point it's just gonna be it's it's gonna be at the point we can make money off it you know what i mean like i'm not sure i actually believe that when i say it that's why it's like the small part of the back of my head but you know every yeah, I mean, once in a while possible like it's almost like a little lottery ticket like yeah there's a theoretical chance that nintendo gives up on whatever comes after ultimate and goes well people are still playing this how can we how can we squeeze this orange again you know is there any more juice left in this fucking thing (laughs) after we charge six dollars for a dlc character right brawl and smash four and ultimate um yeah they might turn to us with that shit and maybe we benefit from it in the short term but i don't know i feel like we're kind of free from it no for sure I still I get think, worried. yeah. I see people still tweeting like, "Yeah, we need a circuit. We need this. We need that." I'm like, "Yeah, but we're never going to have that. Right? It's up to us to keep this thing alive. Oh, and for we sure. We need to keep it alive for the love of the game and not for a living. That's not a thing. There's a very tiny cluster of people who are going to make a living playing or doing anything around this game. No, and I I hope that um, the aforementioned uh, Ludwig method of uh, leveraging what you've brought or what you've developed from melee into other avenues. I mean, his was a, a clean, you know, uh, entertainment here to entertainment everywhere, yeah. but there is still such an avenue to, um, and this is, this has kind of been a kick I've been on talking with a lot of different people. I'd love your input on it, but like using melee as an opportunity to kind of find ourselves, you know, not, not that's just super true. Not just like what we like to do or not just a trade we can monetize elsewhere, but like literally who we are. You know, I think there's something to be said about, you know, in, in this early age. Um, and I would consider early like younger than 40, to be honest. Um, this, this is like the third or fourth dumbest thing I I will have said during this interview. <laughs> okay. Um but like I no joke will bring up melee and therapy when we're like working on something and like something clicks and I go, that's why in melee this happens. <laughs> and, and then my therapist will say to me, 
You're not the first person who has brought up Smash Brothers in this room. That's amazing. It you might. Oh my wild. god. Maybe you have the same uh, therapist as Will. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, maybe. Because he brought it up in, in an oh. episode we're releasing tomorrow. He literally brought it up this morning. <laughs> I will have to talk to him. <laughs> That's oh a trip. God. I love that. Because you're in Brooklyn too, right? Yeah. That's yeah. fucking possible. That would be so funny. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's it's like... It has this way of seeping into our psyche. Maybe it's like the strong bonds we make um, and how hard it is to make those friendships like as an adult. And so the fact that they're so readily available and so genuine through this community, I think that has to be a, a, a large factor. It's such a special thing. Like I always, when you have to explain to the layman that like, yeah, I'm a gamer, but it's different. Mm-hmm. when you're talking about melee like no you have to sit face to face with the person like i don't do net play and i don't want to do net play because i've done net play in other games and i don't like what it brings out in myself yep. or the people i'm playing against mm-hmm. um and i've always tried to keep melee like that like where i'm sitting i'm playing with somebody where it's social it is literally social you can't hide behind it like yeah. i think that's very special because you kind of are being vulnerable with the person next to you like if they upset you, you kind of got to be like, like some people do throw tantrums, but like if you get salty, the other person has to see it. And like, you, you got to own it. And then you're realer with the person, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It's a whole thing. You're, you're going through these. I don't know what it, it's like a chicken to the egg situation. Like, I don't know if we get emotional because we're around our friends or, where we develop such strong friendships because they see us at our most vulnerable, but whatever it is, there's a lot of um, uh, emotions being released in these venues. And it's like at all stages too, like you don't have to unlock the ability to care about melee. It's like the first tournament you go to, if you put in that $10, you're, you're going to feel something. It, it leads us to a lot of, hard truths about ourselves you know and um there there are certain breaking points that i've put myself through um where i've had to really do you know it was it wasn't really the emotional work itself it was just a catalyst for me to make realizations of what i needed to work on and what i needed to change in myself and so you know it's it's hard to 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 quantify how that helps a person you know it's hard to say exactly the value of all this time spent or you know some people will say they wasted their time playing melee because you can't make money off of it and i just think that's such a it's a bad mentality so fucking capitalist dude it's like come on it's like yeah it's terrible mentality it's gonna keep you upset and you know just not a happy dude but like yeah i mean if you're good at something never do it for free but you're not the one who gets to deem whether or not you're good at something when other people are paying you know yeah well that is capitalism it sucks but you gotta you gotta play the game you're playing you know and i guess that's like you know there's something inherently capitalistic about going to a tournament i guess like you're playing for money and yeah whatever but um i think everyone who plays the game to to a certain extent 
besides, you know, I, I've said this a few times where I feel worse for a top or for someone in the fringe top 10 than I feel for someone in the fringe top 100. Because yeah. all of a sudden you're not playing for that glory anymore. You are playing to survive. You are playing to... Yeah, this is your whole life. Yeah. You're, you're, you're making water into wine at this... You know, you're you're really trying to craft a miracle here, and you know, you could strictly compare me and IBDW. Like he is top ten, he's fighting to try to make this into something that can feed him and give him shelter. Like with with no big daddy Nintendo there to help him. Meanwhile, I'm fighting to, you know, get a really good day. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the year where i'm just happy about you know an arbitrary number like it's two completely different ball games you know it is it is but it's a it's a different path i, I i'm still i kind of want somebody to step in and like prove it's doable that you can like be truly good at melee and have a job so to speak and i think there's a lot of people who get close enough but like to get that top ten, like you said, it's like maybe if I, I guess everybody gets into it to be the best in the world, so nothing nothing else will do. But like, you know, the the pragmatist bargain here kind of feels like, yeah, what if I was fortieth and I had like health insurance? You know, right? Like, that's pretty hype. That's the Albert, actually. Yeah. Some people like um, yeah. like isn't Duck like a damn architect? Yeah, like, but Duck quit. I shouldn't say but it's Duck true. quit. Yeah. I'm only saying that because I loved watching him and I'm disappointed. But I, yeah, like I understand. Yeah. Um, he definitely achieved what he achieved with. Um, I think he was he might have done that in school and then was like I don't I I don't know the exact circumstance. But you're right that it's very hard. You know, it mm-hmm. is not exactly where we're at um but i want to bring it back to you before we before we head off um i want to kind of talk about competitiveness something you mentioned uh just a few moments ago um when you are creating when you're doing your thing you know what do you feel when you are at a roadblock like what gives you that extra juice to fight through the tougher moments in these projects that is a that's a good question i like that um let's see i think just like reminding myself i've done more with less like i say that to myself a lot like like if i'm having a bad day on set i can go back to the day that a guy got shot and i was like tearing my hair out all day getting yelled at by the dp and the first ad on that set I can I can go back to other shoots that were equally nightmarish and be like, well, today's a lot better than that day. Like, you can do it. And like, from a creative standpoint, um, it's just um, there's usually so many different things to do on a project, especially something that's like a big doc. Where, if I'm feeling like I can't get this one thing done, I can divert my time and still be productive elsewhere and come back to it. Or I'll just go put another pot of coffee on and pace around the living room until it works. And sometimes it do be like that. Hmm. Okay. 
so you kind of you, you don't bash your head against the wall you kind of you give yourself room to to breathe past it i guess yeah the things i would bash my head against the wall on are like when premiere isn't being cooperative oh yeah things like that and that does happen shouts out to premiere i hope you burn i hope you fucking burn <laughs> i cannot wait to dump your ass fuck you really yeah premiere sucks shit it gets worse every year wow so <laughs> it's just the only show in town it's all you got like what are you gonna use smoke what are you gonna use da vinci sony vegas final Ooh. final cut yeah final cut's making a little bit of a comeback but the one company that told me that shouts out to mlg they told me that they edit entirely on final cut uh and then they got destroyed they're what? gone mlg yeah major league gaming uh when i was in talks to work with them in new york they were like yeah no we only edit on final cut pro x i'm like that's weird and they were like yeah it's weird but it's better than you think it is they've made a lot of progress and then they didn't call me back and then blizzard bought and destroyed them okay but that has nothing to do (laughs) with final cut does it does it does it yeah does it yeah i don't know (laughs) i'm I'm busting balls so you know but (laughs) I just, they're the oh, only man. people who've told it to me and they fucking vanished okay so yeah. i was hoping that you were just completely unironically like superstitious <laughs> i was gonna go another hour digging into that <laughs> that would have been no, fantastic. you can't be so superstitious in this game you just gotta <laughs> sometimes it feels like with premiere you're like knocking on wood but that's premiere's problem yeah i've definitely um lost some valuable um, irretrievable editing time to uh, blog posts and computer resets. Just, just and anytime uh, you're stuck on a what do I do next? Like you're not sure what button to press next in Premiere. You just Control S every single time. Great, great, great habit. Can't recommend it enough. Where you don't know what, like something stuck. You mean? Yeah. Even if something stuck, sometimes saving your project can uh, kind of reset the procedure. Oh, yeah, it's nice. Like sometimes playback will be slow to catch up or like the where your uh, cursor is on the timeline will slow up. And then if you save, it kind of just snaps it back to attention. Oh, shit. All that's right. Wild. I got my tip. It's dumb as hell that that's a thing. It shouldn't be like that. But here we are. Here we are. OK, yep. I want to ask you the final question um, mm-hmm. before I do. Is there anything that we skip past without getting it off your chest or are you ready for the the gauntlet no yeah i'm down for the gauntlet i'm okay. down for the gauntlet so this is a question with a few parts um you could answer as brief or as extended as you'd like it's a question i ask virtually every guest with slight adaptations um so here we go so you are given responsibility for a uh, a young talent Let's say he's been, uh, or she, they, they have been doing video for about a year, let's say. So they have the basics. They know how to, you know, press C and press V and do all the different, you know, basics, right? Um, what, what would be your philosophy towards this person to have a successful career in video? Hmm. Hmm. I think you just got to start off by letting them make the thing they want to try making. Like usually someone who's at that point 
has a vision like they have something in their head that they like want to accomplish like not a goal but like a project like i want to tell a story about this fucking thing and then you just get them gassed up for that like i've had people work under me at companies and they've been like i want to go shoot this and i'm like good fucking go like the easiest thing and the thing that the person's gonna be most motivated for is the thing they want to make so i would just like identify that thing that you get excited about making and go fucking shoot it like and we'll work out the technical kinks and you'll work on those forever and that's fine you just gotta like have that get up and go have that have that inspiration nice next part what would be two tips insider tricks that you wish you knew at that stage in your career Uh, it really is all about who you know. They always fucking say that, especially about video. Like, you just need to know a couple people who can recommend you for things and that you trust. And, like, that's the first one. The first one is definitely it's all about who you know. Like, I don't really keep a resume. I barely update my reel. I don't do any of that shit. I just get calls. I get calls from people who know me or people who know someone who knows me. And I know a lot of people who are in that same boat where it's just like, that's how you're getting work. You just word of mouth. And the second thing is a kind of combination of fake it till you make it. And uh, it's okay to fail, right? Like I always tell people to fake it till they make it. Like just say yes, take the job, do the thing. If you fuck up, they're probably going to forget you. And there's plenty of other work. And when you're doing that work, the failure is a lesson. You got to take that. You just got to move on. Yeah. Like, I think I lied about being an editor to get into now this like and it worked because nobody else in the room knew anything about editing so I knew just a little and it was enough to get me a full-time job that I was able to morph into what I wanted make a bunch of connections like you just bullshit until you kick that door open and then run nice okay and final part how would you instill these lessons in one sentence absolutely fake it till you make it that is same thing with melee (laughs) (laughs) do the fraudulent shit until you get called out and then move on to the next thing the one and only phil nolan you went over your early careers you talked about esports from melee to dbz and other projects where people get shot and directors are threatened Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, if you have any plugs, throw them in now. Um, the Twitter is Nil Folan. The name is Phil Nolan. <laughs> From the Twitter, you can look at my bad tweets occasionally about politics, or you can skip all that and click on the YouTube link. I recommend the latter. Um, yeah, you know, free Palestine. Hell yes. Yeah. Yep. You are the man. Let's cross our fingers for Bernie tonight. I've been resisting the temptation to check for updates but big same big same um hey man we'll uh, we'll check in on the morning maybe we'll we'll throw some some hard eyes at each other but i'm yeah. i'm throwing them at you already this was a great episode and uh thanks, thanks again for having me. yeah this was great take care dude see ya